the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, everybody, to the Messy Walk Podcast. This is episode 50. Number 50. I know, 50. That's it's crazy. A big deal. We yeah. should have thought about that before now. But I was about didn't. to run right past that and just be like, this is episode yeah. 50, and I'm here with it. <laughs> but then cool. after I said it, I was like, dang, 50 episodes. That's a long, long 50 time. 50 episodes. Close to a year. Seven people listening. We're doing good. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> All seven of you. Thank you. Um, my name is Chloe. I'm the host of the Messy Walk Podcast, and I'm here with Pastor Adam. Hey, hey. Um, we are super excited to be with you today, continuing our series on theology. So this would be the fourth episode of this series on theology. And is How it many the are we doing? Yeah, it is fourth. Okay, first yeah, second is fourth. It's the third. We yes, did this intro, is the fourth. We did bibliology. Last week we did theology proper mm-hmm. or the doctrine of God, just mm-hmm. talking about who God is as a... Not more than just him existing, right? Right, is what theology proper is. Right. Who is him? Who is he as a proper noun? Mm-hmm. God, yeah, right. Um, yeah. And then this would be the fourth one. How many are we doing in this one? We don't know. We yet. don't know yet. We're just yeah. kind of rolling with it and seeing how long. Definitely one more. After, definitely two more after this. Right. Definitely pneumatology. Right. Um, after this one today, and then I feel like we had another one for sure. Um, but I can't. We were questioning eschatology. Yeah, we were, que- but we knew we know what we were going to do. Um, wondering if we would. We know we're going to do ecclesiology. Ah, uh, maybe that's um, one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which the is the study, study of, of the, the church. church, right? For sure. Um, but there's a lot of other ones, right? Yeah. Like angelology sounds cool and weird. Yeah. <laughs> but a yeah. lot of options. And eschatology is end times yeah. stuff, right? In yeah. the world stuff. That was the only one that was yep. coming to my head. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so we're back at it this week with an episode on, can I say what it's about? Yeah, please. Okay, so this week we are talking about Christology, which is the study of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Um, Adam, how do we want to start this off? So it makes sense, okay, so we just rolled out of, and think about this, we just rolled out of theology proper, right? um, which has the least cool name out of all these, (laughs) (laughs) or just God in general. And so, of course, a big piece of understanding God as person um, is the Trinity, right? And so, but the Trinity is so massive that to really understand pieces of that, you would break that out, right? And so theology proper gives you God as all three pieces, right? And you can also look at parts of the study of the Father piece of that, mm-hmm. theology proper. But then Christology is going to pull out the Son, right? Yeah. It's going to pull out Christ. And then pneumatology is going to kind of take that funnel down deeper to even the Holy Spirit, right? So Christology, I think that this is the section of systematic theology that is probably the most intimidating, Mm. Um, but I think it's the richest. And I think it's the most intimidating because, I mean, what do we call ourselves? Christians. Christians. So this person of Christ is extremely crucial to who we are and what we believe. And it's intimidating because um, you don't want to get this stuff wrong. And there's a lot. And we have, you know, we have eyewitness accounts of Jesus's life. We have historical references. We have so many pieces that go into Christology, not just the Bible, not just the Gospels. Right. Right. And so there's a lot to this. And it's it's just quite intimidating. You know, you won't like when you say I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a disciple of Jesus, the the very image of disciple. I'm going to teach on this. Um. 
Or maybe, I don't know. When we record podcasts, I can't ever figure out whether I'm in the future or in the past. <laughs> right, right, so, right. At some point, I'm teaching on this, if it's already happened, I don't know, right. um, <laughs> uh, on what a disciple really means. And so our use of the word Christian really kind of um, is deceptive because there's lots of people that call themselves Christians that aren't really disciples. Yeah. And so the word disciple is actually a better, clearer picture of what it means to follow Christ. And the idea of a disciple um, is that you are formed into almost an exact version of your rabbi, right, mm-hmm. of the one that you're following. And so the best compliment that you can ever give a disciple back in the day was that the dust of your rabbi is all over you. Hmm. Meaning that you walk so closely to your rabbi as a disciple that everything he even steps in splashes on you, right? So nice. I've that's never the heard idea. that before. Yeah, I'm getting ready to teach on that, or I already have, depending on where we're at that's right so now cool. in the yeah. reality of world. <laughs> right, 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 right. right. <laughs> so, um, it, it, so anywho, anywho, so you, the term Christian kind of obscures the fact that there are Christians who are not really disciples. Does that right. make any sense? Yeah. So I think the reason that it's intimidating is because. We are disciples of Jesus, and so we should know all that we can know about Christ. And so this particular piece of theology is intimidating because there's so much, and we feel very guilty that we don't also know everything, right? But I think it's the richest, you know, um, not to displace any other pieces of God or say that they're not as important, but this is pretty much a pinnacle, right? right, right. <laughs> Very important. Pretty much the thing. <laughs> right, um, right, right. If you're going to get everything else wrong, you kind of got to get this one right. right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, real quick, real real quick word association. Greek, um, this is coming from the Greek word Christos, um, which of course is just Christ. Christ Christoph like from Frozen. Christoph from Frozen. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I, like, no, go. I might have said it though. Um, <laughs> Which gives us Christ, which yeah. Christ is just a Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah, right? right? Um, and then ology, of course, is the study of. So this is just the study of the person and the work of Jesus. So like when we're talking about theology proper, mm-hmm. the person, the character, the nature, the work of God in that Trinitarian form. Now we're talking about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Gotcha. Um, so when you would first start talking about this, remember, every time we're talking about this on the podcast, we're trying to get up, go about it systematically. So, and remember, all that is, is it's not some fancy cool thing that you've got to learn how to do. Right. It's just a natural process of thought for us as people anyway, right? So right. you take this big thought and you start thinking about pieces of it. And so think of a big funnel, whether you can funnel it down. First, what you typically start with um, is when you're going to talk about the person and, and the work of Christ is you think back to the beginning of whatever it is that you're studying. And so with this one, if you're thinking systematically, this one you would think about the beginning of Jesus. And so mm-hmm. where do we first, Chloe, where do we first think of? So so b- before you put on your theology brain and you try to get the answer right, right, your first gut reaction when you think of, all right, I'm going to start with the beginning of Jesus, where do you start? Christmas. Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we just immediately start with, well, I start with his birth, right? Um, and... We typically start there. We start with the incarnation of Christ. Right. That is, is he is fully God and he comes and takes on the human nature. Um, so we would start kind of with the incarnation of Christ, which is referring to him being human, right? Which is happening, at least we're thinking right now, 
at his birth. Yeah. Right? So you start off with this idea of the incarnation of Jesus. But when you start to think of that real fast, you start to realize or you start to at least question, well, hold up. Yep. Where was he at before he was born? Right, right, right. right yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you initially are talking <laughs> incarnation of Christ, and then you go, wait a minute. What about before he became human? Did he just, did he didn't exist before that? But remember, we just talked about theology proper and the Trinity, right. and that they are three distinct persons, right? One God, three distinct persons, and have always existed. Yeah. And so you start to realize that he was somewhere before he was born. And so as you get into the incarnation of Christ, him being human, it leads you to kind of talking about Christ's, the word for this is eternal pre-existence, right? Okay. That's the fancy theological term that somebody came up with a long time ago, smarter than me. <laughs> so his his eternal pre-existence, meaning that he existed before he was incarnate, right? right? Yeah. Before he was in carnal human nature. Um, so that would be the fact that he is an idol before he comes to earth. So when you're talking about this idea of eternal preexistence, you're talking about the fact that Jesus is an idol before, you know, he's not just sitting in some dormant idol state. Right. So so you know that he existed, but then you know, well, it's got to be more than him just sitting there not doing nothing. Right, right, right. right <laughs> before yeah. coming to earth. So then you start to realize, all right, his eternal preexistence is, no, he he's active prior right. to actually becoming human in nature. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so that makes you think of... If the incarnate Christ is him being, you know, Christmas on, right, born, mm -hmm. then the pre-incarnate Christ would be all the ways in Scripture that you see Jesus is active in the world prior, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So here's a, here's a way to think about this. This is kind okay. of like a big thought or a way to kind of put your brain around it. Highly possible, and I lean here, although, of course, we don't necessarily know, but I lean here, highly possible that all the temporary visible manifestations of God in the Old Testament, those are called theophanies, right, mm -hmm. were actually Christophanies. And so when you see, me and you were talking about this earlier, when you see visible manifestations of God in the Old Testament, it was actually visible manifestations of the second person of the Trinity, yeah. the Christ. Yeah. All right, example. The fun story about Shadrach, Meshach, um, and what? How, so Madeline, our six-year-old, she's all the time throwing church stuff, words, Bible stuff up at us Aww. that she's learning at church. And so she's the kid that likes to come home and goes with what she learned. She likes to go, did you know? And oh, then she throws it out there like, tell you. You're going, did you know this? Because I know this, right? <laughs> <laughs> Olivia, so she's dominant like that. Olivia would come in and be like, I learned today. You know, Aww. right? All sweet. And, and Madeline's like, in your face. Like, <laughs> right, right. Bet you didn't know <laughs> this. Didn't know I know this, more than but you I know it. And she come home and she said, Aww. Shadrach, Meshach, and a hand to go. Right? <laughs> a hand to go. Um, oh, my gosh. So, like, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're refusing to bow down to the king, right? They only bow down to God. Yeah. We're going to throw you in the fire then. And they're like, we believe God's going to save us. We ain't bowing down to you. But even if he don't. We still ain't bowed down to you. Right. And so they get chunked in the furnace, yep. right? And then there is a another in the fire, right? Isn't that a song out yes, right now? Yes, that is a right. song. That's what I looked at you. I was like... <laughs> yeah, there's another in the fire. Right. Well, there's a big thought that, and I believe this, that that is Jesus in the fire, hmm. right? And so that's that pre-incarnate Christ, like prior to him being 
in human form on earth post Christmas, right? right? Birth, that he is active, not idle. And right. those Old Testament moments where you see God pop up visibly, mm-hmm. temporarily, right? That it's actually Jesus. Yeah. Right. So it's just a cool way to look at it. Yeah. And you can study cool. those, you can see those, and you can start to think through what that means. But all it's making you do, whether or not you can figure that out for sure or not, can we know for sure that that was Jesus in the fire with him? I mean, I think biblically I can be pretty sound about it, but no. You can't right? promise it. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, right? I 100% guarantee. Yeah, yeah. No. But what it does, though, is it makes you think about yeah. pre-incarnate Christ. Yeah. And I think that we don't think of that enough. So I think when it comes to us understanding who Jesus is, we focus on almost all of our attention on his earthly, lifely ministry, yeah. life ministry, and then his second coming, yeah. right? And hardly anything on, and we'll get to one of these in a minute, hardly anything on him before he was born, the pre-incarnate, yep. and then nothing on the time frame in between him resurrecting and ascending and coming back, hmm. Right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, this makes you start to think about yeah. the person of Jesus in those areas that you don't normally think about. Yeah. Right. And so, of course, you can't always answer, is every single Old Testament visible manifestation of God actually Jesus, the second person of God, that that, part, that piece? No. There's no way to know that for right. sure. But it's a cool way to think about yeah. it, and it makes you start to think about those things. Yeah. So then you get into uh, the person of Christ, right? So we're going... Incarnation of Jesus, him becoming human form, right? And then pre-incarnate, making us think that. And then let's go. Let's get into the person of Christ. And then the the term that you end up in or the thought pattern that you end up in has been named the hypostatic union when you're talking about the person of Jesus. So there's actually a Christian band in the mm-hmm. early 2000s called the hypostatic union. Which is such an interesting name. Yeah. I and, like which was, which I thought was cool at the time. It is, it is, it's cool it when you made, think about when it. When I saw it, I was a youth pastor at the time. It made me go, hypostatic union, hypostatic union. That's a theological term. I couldn't remember what it was or anything cool, like that, yeah. but then it made me go back and look at it. Yeah, people were probably Googling right, it. So I'm, like, yeah, it's right, kind of, kind of cool. Right, right, right yeah. But about, Chloe was joking about, and this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but Chloe was joking about how bands, even Christian bands, can just take <laughs> anything and come up with a name. Right. To be the band. Just pick right. like three random objects and it's like makes a cool indie band name. It's a game that me and my friends play. <laughs> so me and Olivia happened to be talking about that last week on the way home. Olivia's my 14-year-old. And uh, we were on the way home late one night and this this random song comes on the radio and it was from the band Five Finger Death Punch. Um, <laughs> yes, I am a pastor who ends up listening to stuff like that. Um, and And she's like... What did you say the name of this band was? And I was like, Five Finger Death Punch. And she was like, Bands come up with the weirdest names. They'll have anything. And then we drive by a stop sign and she goes, like, Red Stop Sign. Cool and I was like, band name. That actually yeah. sounds like a good band name. I want to write that down if I ever start it a band. All works. It's it all red works. Stop sign. But hypostatic union is what you start to think of when you get to the person of Christ. So hypostatic union is just coming from this uh, Greek word hypostasis, which is actually a scientific term that's referring to two distinct things existing together so mm-hmm. um so there's three elements to this hypostatic union person of christ so three ways right. to think through the person of christ one is full deity so fully god right the second one is full humanity right mm-hmm. fully man and you've heard this heard this plenty of times yes. right 
fully God and fully man. You've heard yeah. him say that. You've heard people say that all the time. All the time. And then the hypostatic union piece is really found in the third part. So mm-hmm. it's fully God, fully man. And then, of course, what that's implying is um, that this that his divine and his human natures are united in this one person of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that would be the hypostatic union. Yeah. Um, I never knew there was a word for that till today. Of course we, there is, right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like with this theology stuff, somebody has, over time, thought through these things and then said, I'm going to give it a name, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. We covered that last week with yep. the Trinity, yep. you know? So anyway, um, as a result of Jesus's incarnation, right, because he has become fully human, Jesus has both divine, that means godly, mm-hmm. and fully human nature forever united in one person, mm. in that one piece of him. Right. Um, so Wait, so you say forever, like even now? Yes, like even now. Okay. I didn't know yeah. that. I just learned something. Yep. That was cool. Okay. So Sorry. forever united in that fully human, fully God peace. Wow. Right. Pretty cool. I don't know why. I just thought that like when he ascended, he would stop being. Uh, and there human. is, there is. Theological, I don't, I have no reason to actually believe that. But there, <laughs> but, are, there are people that have explored that thought and that's huh. the base belief too. Is that nope, he came back, turned back into God. Huh. Um, but, but the orthodox belief, right. Um, that's been around since literally the first century. Right. has been, as we pulled all this together, like with the canon and those kind of things, the early councils of the church, mainline thought is fully God, fully human from that point on, fully, all the uh-huh. way, right? And then sometimes go backwards with that, with that pre-incarnate stuff I was talking about, that it's always been the case. Right. right? That's what I was thinking about, yeah. too. Like, as you were saying that, I was like, so that. Yeah. Also, before, because we just been... think about him, like, existing and whatever, right. but we don't think about, was he human before he was born like right, and then we would say world. he, you know, on, from us understanding space and time, which we have a limited knowledge of space and time, right? Right. We would think of him being fully man at his physical birth, but mm-hmm. if God is outside of space and time, then the birth doesn't necessarily happen just on our time frame or when we think it happens. Does that make right. sense? Right. So mm-hmm. big, huge thoughts, wow. right? But yeah. cool, it's cool to think through. Um, so when you get to thinking about Jesus, you're starting to systematically approach the study, right? That's the whole idea here. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot to study when it comes to the person and nature of Jesus. And so just like we were saying before, your first thought when you think about incarnate Jesus is when he was born, right? And then that makes you then think about, remember, well, wait a minute, maybe he existed prior. The same thing happens here when it's, it's a lot to study about Jesus. The quick track of your brain wants to go immediately to the cross and the resurrection, yes. right? Um, but you don't want to start there because that's going to be too quick. Mm. Instead, where it kind of starts next is the sinlessness of Christ. So like he, that he lives this perfectly righteous life, right? Yeah. So you kind of start there first because there's a whole lot of his life in this sinlessness existence that is way before earthly ministry, right? Which is where we target it on. Yeah. And way before... Um, Cross, right? So way before, you know, his, his crucifixion and way before resurrection too, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there. Um, and here's a cool side side note for that. A way you start to think about this. So when you, when, you, when you explore the thought of Christ living a perfectly righteous life, you can study and formulate your theology on whether or not Jesus could have chosen to sin. If he wanted to, 
<laughs> or that he could not have, could he just could not have chosen to sin because of being nature God. Mm. So the thought that he couldn't sin is called the impeccability of Christ. That's a big thought. That's mainline orthodox thought. Been around a long time. Um, I, I believe in the impeccability of Christ. Yeah. Right. That he could not have chosen to sin. Yeah. But. If you believe that he could have chosen to sin, which is, is a theological thought too, that would be the peccability of Christ, mm-hmm. right? That he could have chosen to, and he chooses not to at every chance, right? Chooses not to sin. So that's just a cool side trail you can go down when you're thinking about the sinlessness of Christ, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so then, then you're kind of moving forward, right? So that was us going, let's don't move to the cross too quick. Right. Let's think about his sinlessness, his perfect life that he's yeah. lived prior to the cross. Then, of course, you're going to move into cross, and then that is the word atonement. Right. And so we would move into the doctrine of atonement, um, the theological concept of atonement. This is where we see the most visible sign of Christianity. So, Chloe, what is, if you had to pick one sign, you did right on your Christmas one, you answered that right. <laughs> Thank you. If you had to pick one sign of Christianity... What would you pick? If, well, no. Think about it theologically. <laughs> Don't try to get the right answer. It's the cross. It's the, it's the cross. cross right? I was it's like, well, if I would pick, I would probably. It's the cross. And then look through history. What have we picked? What have we picked? The cross. History? The cross. Right. The necklaces all have crosses. The t-shirts all have crosses. Everything. Everything. They're is hanging crosses. in our house. Yeah. We draw them on stuff. Right. I mean, it's just constant, right? Yeah. When you're a kid, you start learning about God. We start drawing. Yeah. Crosses, right? Um, this is a universal symbol. But it is like this most visible sign of Christianity is the cross. Yep. And so atonement, the cross is sort of your picture of that. Atoning means that Jesus pays for our sins. And so, of course, the picture of the cross is him paying for our sins. That's that yep. picture of atonement. Um, that's talking through. So when you talk about atonement, it's not just Jesus paid for our sins, but you're talking through the central problem of humanity's sin yeah. and the, the dreadful effects of that sin, mm-hmm. right? So not just the sin, but then how the sin impacts everything in life, and then how Jesus resolves this problem. Yeah. That is what we would mean when we talked atonement. And so tons to study, um, so many ways to look at atonement, right? There are, I want to say, about 50 different legitimately thought out theological ideas of what that atonement really looks like, what it accomplishes, you know, how Jesus goes about doing it and that kind of thing. The most mainline thought is um, penal substitution, right? Um, That's the doctrine of penal substitution. And that just means that that focuses on God's holy justice must be satisfied because if Mm -hmm. God is holy, then he has to remain holy and he has to have justice, right? Yeah. Yeah. and it must be satisfied, which means that um, there's sin, and then the penalty for that sin, if justice is required, the penalty must be paid. Yeah. Right? Because yeah, how sense. would God be just if he didn't – how could he be fully justice if he didn't require payment for the penalty of sin? Right. Right? Yep. And so Jesus satisfies that penalty, right, 
he's the substitution for the penalty, the penal substitution, Mm -hmm. so that we can have reconciliation, so that we can have full reconciliation with God, right? That's that idea of penal substitution. So that mainline thought on atonement is that it happens through primarily through penal substitution, yeah, right? So so we're just progressing through, right? Yeah. Make sure everybody doesn't fall asleep. We're progressing through this thing. Yeah. Right, we talk about him, you know, as a human, and then wait a minute. Prior to that, and then him, we go, we want to go to the cross, but then we go pause and go wait a minute. Let's yeah. talk about his sinlessness prior to that, and then yeah. we hit the cross, we hit atonement, and then if we go further, then we're getting to what we would call the exaltation of Christ. Yeah. Um, that means him being exalted, right? Mm-hmm. So it's so like referring to his incarnation after resurrection, and then through his eternal reign. Right. So so go with me. Like okay. think phases. Okay. Pre incarnation. Right. Right. Prior to him being born. Being born. Being human. Right. right. And then him being human, incarnation. And then his exaltation starts while he's incarnate, right? At mm-hmm. resurrection. Right. And then going through basically all the way through. Right. So mm-hmm. through his return and into his eternal reign. Mm-hmm. So in other words, when we talk about the exaltation of Jesus, we're just talking about the eternal glory that he deserves. Right. Yeah. And receives. Right. So there's several pieces of this. This is this is cool. We had fun talking about this earlier. Yeah. Um, several pieces of this idea of him being exalted um, starts at his resurrection. Mm-hmm. So as he's resurrected. Even though he's still incarnate at that moment. So there's some argument that he's not incarnate at that point in time. Like he's resurrected then at that point, and he's not in human form. But we know that scripturally he seems to be. So his resurrection starts as he's being exalted because he's being exalted, being glorified, right, beginning with his resurrection. And then he's glorified at his ascension, right, Mm -hmm. which is when Jesus says, peace out, I'm gone, and rolls out, right, his ascension. Then he is also being exalted in session, Right. This is my favorite this part. This is the coolest part. Now, we never think about this, though. Never, right? ever, till so today. So in session. So that means that right now, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's still working on behalf of his people. Right. Right? So think about him. He's seated on the throne. He's like Congress in session right mm-hmm. now. Right? And then his uh, exaltation continues when he comes back again, right? right? In his second coming, right. and then his eternal reign after that. We never think of that, though. Right? We never think never. of, I mean, when we think of God being glorified, we usually don't really start at the resurrection. We typically start with him ascending, and then we just kind of jump to his right. second coming. Right. And like, we don't pause and think about. Right. So if you were if you're sitting here talking about the exaltation of Jesus, Jesus getting glory, and you start to break this down, you'll go, well, wait a minute. How's he getting glory or what's it looking like between him peacing out and ascending, going on up, and him coming back? Right. right. So like right now. It's the same thing we did earlier when we thought about, well, what was he doing before he was born? Right? Yeah. And so he was the idol before he was born, right? He's just right. sitting around dormant. Right? right. It's the same thing here. Like, what's he doing in between ascension and return? And the Bible talks about that him seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's working on behalf of, you know, his people. Right. Right. So that would be him 
that was that's called session. Yeah. Right. So it's pretty cool. Right. I think it's neat. Because you were saying earlier, you might have just said this, but you were saying earlier when we were talking that we typically go like, he came, he lived, he died, he rose again. We do. And he's coming back. <laughs> and then it's like, there's this empty time in between like he rose again and he's coming back where we're just like, what do we think he's doing right now? Like, I mean, the scripture tells us, but we just don't, we don't think about it in right. the, the session way that you said. No, not at all. Which like, is really cool it. to think about it. And then what we do, we say, yeah. he came. Right. Well, he was prior. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Right? We ignore the before and we ignore the now. He came. And then we go well, then we jump as fast as we can to what we know, which is earthly ministry. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we jump really quick through earthly ministry to crucified. Right. Right. Um, and then resurrected. Yeah. And then left. Yep. And he's coming back. Right. <laughs> we ignore right now. What's Let's funny, right what's now, really you know? funny about it though, is that we at least in our understanding of space and time, we are living, though, in his session, right? So the mm-hmm. the peace that we are, that's actually happening right now that we're living in is the peace we don't think about it much, yep. which is weird, right? So we're it's sort of like us always looking at the past peace that Jesus has done for us through the cross, resurrection, and the future peace that he's going to do when he makes everything right, right? right. Um, and we are with him eternally. But we kind of skip through the peace that we're in right now. Right, which would be him, yes. which would be Holy Spirit here with us. We'll get to that next week. And him on the throne interceding on our behalf right. during this time. So but you don't you won't think about that unless you process through this thing kind of systematically and you're thinking a bigger theological idea of where this came from was the exaltation of Jesus. Right. Right. The him got him receiving being exalted, mm-hmm. you know, as Lord of all and King of Kings and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So I think it's really cool. It so is very cool. I still think that the coolest way to study Christology, um, which is just Jesus specifically, right, is to pay attention to him, not necessarily in these terms, but to think about, study the scripture, ponder on, right, meditate on him as. Man, Mm. prophet, priest, and king, Mm. right? And then you start to, if you'll think about those four, then you'll start to see him, I think, in his nature better, if that makes Mm. any sense. Yeah, it does. So when we're we're talking about, when we're learning about, when we're thinking about Jesus, when we're studying Old Testament, New Testament, you know, Revelation, Second Coming, all those things, right? Our personal relationship with Jesus, when we're processing through those, which we need to try to think through man, priest, prophet, man, prophet, priest, king, right? Mm-hmm. And I think those will help. Um, yeah. Anyway, and then there's, a, of course, there's tons of scripture that help you form a biblical Christology, yeah. right? Of course, the gospels, hands down. And then you've got an insane amount of theology that is written to the church in the epistles. Mm. Um and then, of course, you have all kinds of other stuff. So, like, for example, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 61. Um, there's some specific spots where Jesus tells you about himself, right? Luke 4, John 1. So one of the coolest ones here to, to get you a really good biblical Christology is the Gospel of John. Because yep. the Gospel of John starts off with not he was born to the Virgin Mary. It doesn't start off with he's baptized by John the Baptist. It starts off with in the beginning was the word Mm -hmm. and the word was with God and the word was God. And there's this process that goes through the first 18 verses, I think, of John chapter one 
that start to give you a pre-incarnate view yeah. of Jesus, right? And yeah. so the Gospel of John will immediately make you think of who Jesus is, not just on earth, but mm-hmm. him throughout all of space and time, him as the second person of the Trinity um, or whatever, right? Yeah. So, and you get the fully God picture really well in the beginning of the book of John. And then you got, you know, like Colossians 1, Philippians 2, the whole book of Hebrews is like a book of Christology, and of course, Revelation. Right. Um, are a few of those definitive passages that give you a good biblical understanding of who Jesus is. And they're just making you think, right? Like, yeah. like I'll go back to what we said in the beginning, and then we can wrap this thing up. Um, we're called to be disciples of Christ, right? So we're our human nature and our godly nature is supposed to look like his. That's the whole point, right? And so we have to then understand more and more and more of his nature, of who the person of God of Jesus is and the work of Jesus is to be able to become that, right? You cannot become something that you don't understand right, right? fully yeah. right and yeah. so we've got to spend some time really diving into you know a biblical christology yeah you know um i can have a relationship with somebody that you don't know you can't <laughs> exactly you can only you can only know jesus as much as you know his word you can only know jesus as much as you know who he is yeah. and his work and that is a profoundly difficult thing to know yeah. and and huge. However, though, it's also been walked out for us. And so those gospels are giving us these eyewitness accounts of him actually walking it out on earth. And so you can see who he is so much by those accounts. Yeah. You know, but it's not all just from the gospels, is what I'm trying to say, too. Right. Because yeah. that's accounting for earthly ministry. And then there's, of course, Jesus himself saying and referencing who he is yeah. pre, yeah. post, right? All these things. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I just think it's cool. So speaking of John, oh sorry, go for it. it. No, I was going to say, speaking of John, isn't there like seven specific "I am" statements that Jesus makes in John? Is it seven? Yeah, I think it's seven. Yeah, we did a series on that one time. That's cool. I believe it's seven. I don't Mm -hmm. remember all of them, but I just remember when you were talking about John. Mm -hmm. That made me think of that. So that's cool. It's really good. Like I am the bread of life. Yes. Right. Yeah. It was a good example of it. Yeah. Um, it's neat, and Jesus talks to you about who He is. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and those things we have, we got to formulate those, right? Because that's kind of the pinnacle of who we are. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's true. And I think that you know, once again, there are plenty of like we talked about last time. There are plenty of what we would call uh, heresies to who Jesus is. That if you looked at them and started to think about them, they're just going to help you formulate what is actual what is your actual biblical theology on Jesus right you know like for example there are you know that Jesus was um we just talked about a couple of them but like Jesus was not human what was not God until the baptism you know like that thing and then there are some that of course you know these that Jesus was just a good moral teacher yeah. um, or good example um, that Jesus was, um, and there's names for all these two, right? I don't know them, but there, that Jesus was um, was a God, but not the God, mm. right? Um, that oh. Jesus was an angel, 
so different than human. I mean, there's gazillions of them, right? Crazy. But those things yeah. just help you yeah. formulate, well, hold up. I don't think that lines up with my biblical understanding, with my biblical theology. Yeah. I don't think that lines up with my experience yeah. and those kind of things. So, okay. Or wow. I don't think those line up with orthodox mainline Christian thought that goes all the way back to when the church formulated these basic, you know, basic beliefs, mm-hmm. core beliefs of who Jesus is. So. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yes, tons very and tons cool. and tons to study here. So much to massive. Um, if you end up looking at a quick summary book of theology, you'll notice that the Christology section is probably the longest. It's usually I thought the it would be theology section. proper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. May, you know, and that makes sense. All of sense too. There's a lot there too. Right, right. right. There's a lot on all of these so far. I'm really enjoying it. But there's so much about. There's so much in our relationship with God that is founded in the work of Jesus. Yes. Right. Yeah, it's and true. so um, it's typically the longest section when yeah. you check it out. Absolutely. So. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us again today on the Messy Walk podcast. We will be back again next week. It's um, definitely a messy walk podcast. Definitely. Definitely. Because that's about the messiest talk you could ever have. It was not. I thought theology. it was very, I don't know. It made sense to me. Did you wake everybody back up? I hope so. Now? I hope so. <laughs> hey, wake up. Get out of your car. The podcast right, right. episode's over with. <laughs> it's time to go into work. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us today. We'll be back next week. Don't forget to check us out on social media. And we will be back again. Be back next week. Yep. Uh, let's see. Pneumatology. 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 Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. <laughs> You're welcome I'm going to cut you off right there. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. See Have a guys. great week. Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.